is Outlook Book Chats, where I, Gabriel Chek, sits down with architecture students, designers, practitioners, and academics to discuss the various challenges, achievements, and opportunities in the education and practice of architecture. This is Outlook Book Chats. Right, today I have with me uh, King Hua, but I usually call him Prof <laughs> because we both used to be, I, I used to be under him uh, for his studio when I was studying architecture. So, King Hua, are you here? Hello. Hi. Hi, Gabriel. <laughs> Good morning. Yes, you can just call me King Hua or KH in short nowadays. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I was studying under his for his community, sort of social architecture course. I think that was, and also he's my thesis mentor. So it's quite, Yes. A privilege to actually be talking to him today. Uh, before we get into the proper, uh, to, to get you to introduce yourself, for those who do not know you, uh, your background, just a short introduction about yourself. Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Chong Keng Hua. Uh, you can call me KH. Uh, I'm the Associate Professor of Architecture and Sustainable Design in uh, Singapore University of Technology and Design, SUTD. Uh, it's my 10 year now, I think. Uh, and uh, since then, I've been running different classes. Uh, my uh, most uh, favorite class is social architecture, as what Gabriel has mentioned. Uh, at on the side, I also a partner of a design consultancy called Colors Collectively Hours, together with my partner Miss Kang Fong Ying. So we have been practicing community design uh, at the same time. Cool. Just a short introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so how long have you been practicing already? Like, as in doing this? has been oh. a while, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, prior to that, I also has been in the architecture industry, hmm. uh, worked for a couple of firms before I joined uh, SUTD as well. Uh, so I was involved in several of the public projects, uh, notably uh, Bishan Library, um, hmm the uh, Alexandra Arch and the walk. Uh, some of these are re really, uh, to me, it's a good experience to really see how public spaces and public building uh, are able to benefit our you know, uh, uh, population. So it's something that really intrigued me into this area as well. Yeah, which brings me to my second question. <laughs> so I was something to be, uh, to understand what really got you interested in community design? Like, I asked if maybe could it be like something that you're inspired by or you know like a certain experience that you had yeah yeah you're definitely right um well uh like many of the students uh we are always inspired by our own uh professors and supervisors so i've been involved in several of the uh overseas project when i was a student so there was a like a seed planted in me uh, uh, working on a school project in Thailand, China, and I thought to myself, hey, actually, I, I, I'm really keen to do such projects, uh, with the local community. So when I was doing my PhD, uh, I, I was actually doing a lot of work outside my own thesis. <laughs> so one of the things that I took up is to lead a YEP youth exp youth expedition project, uh, YEP. It was called last time, uh, and I was a youth leader. So I, I brought together a group of 20 over uh, students. Uh, we went to Chiang Rai, 
uh, and we work very closely with the community there. Uh, we, we stay with the uh, residents, uh, Hill Tribe, for three weeks. And that really changed my whole perspective of how, you know, architecture, design, and the process of thinking about, uh, you know, community can actually fuse into a practice. Uh, and after coming back from the, the experience, uh, together with a group of like-minded people, uh, we formed this group called Really Architecture, React. And that was some years ago, I think at least 15 years ago. Wow. Uh, we're just a bunch of young people taught that, you know, uh, yeah, we, we, we want to change the world, you know, at, at that time. And, you know, that that's, of course, not easy. <laughs> Easier said than done. But we started very small. We started running uh, different kind of exhibition, workshop, talks. Um, and what uh, is more memorable is uh, was that we run a series of uh, workshops for uh, pre-university students, uh, those who are interested in architecture, urban design, urban planning, but wanted to find out more. So we actually partnered with various schools, uh, run this workshop called Design My Place. Uh, that mm-hmm. really got me into uh, community design and really uh, see the potential of growing this in Singapore as well. And in the end, uh, this series of workshops also uh, become the precursor to uh, URA a challenge for the uh, uh, urban environment queue. Uh, this uh, uh, challenge uh, uh, that in the end was taken up by URA. Cool. So it's, it always starts from a very young age, like having this sort of direction, right, towards. And what kept you going? Uh, and, you know, is there anything in particular, like a project that you did, um, solidified that, that direction for you? Um, a project that uh, solidified, I would say, is after I joined SUTD, mm-hmm. uh, where I was uh, ha- we were having this opportunity to really scope uh, the direction of our research, and together with my uh, uh, collaborator, uh, Professor Mihai Cho, sociologist, we want to look into the issue of aging. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also sort of a lead up from my previous series of workshops they have done with uh, you know younger population and and the more workshops that we run we realized that actually it was the senior folks they are they are more keen in the community design we have a lot of them <laughs> in participating in our workshop so we mm. started to see from their point of view the issue they're facing the challenging the face in you know continue to live in this uh, very dense high dense high rise living environment and say to ourselves uh, can we help to reimagine our city to make it even uh, better for our seniors. And that really anchored uh, my community design approach. In the past 10, 10 years, I think, uh, we have a series of uh, engagement workshops and uh, research and to really rethink how we define our uh, environment uh, for the future senior living. So one particular project that really anchor and, and summarize all this uh, was a project that we worked with Lian Foundation uh, called Second Beginnings. Mm. Uh, and with that project, we sort of uh, concretized our thoughts uh, and visualized 10 different typologies, architectural typologies that is possible and feasible and doable in the next uh, decade to really enhance our environment for the aging population. 
uh, yeah, you can download the book, uh, ebook for free uh, from Lane Foundation website as well. So that really solidified our thoughts and our approach in community design. And that later on spin off into various kind of uh, projects that working with various agencies and uh, VWOs, uh, welfare organization to uh, practice uh, community design in the context of Singapore. Speaking about the experiences you had, right? So what are the I would say what's the best part and the, the most fun part about the projects that you do and what's the challenging moments that you had? <laughs> well, there's always you, yeah. a lot of yeah, there's always a lot of fun moments, uh, especially working uh with our uh team uh who are also young and energetic and passionate and uh well you know uh, our approach in uh, community design and social architecture is slightly different from in that that we are very very grounded in the community so uh the phase of uh the pre-design phase i would say is actually most important for us uh beside the design itself so we spent a lot of time going down to the on the ground and survey uh, the situation on the side uh, much more than I think a common uh, architecture practice. Mm. We, we'll probably sometime we spend a couple of months doing a lot of studies on the ground, doing interview, doing hands-on workshop. Uh, we, some, uh, we, we carry uh, large boards of uh, <laughs> uh, participatory kind of uh, games around and go to coffee shop, hawker center, shopping mall to just get people to, you know, chip in, uh, share their views and ideas and challenges. And and so that was actually quite fun in a way because we got to interact with all kinds of individuals on the ground uh, from as young as kids and seeing their perspective to uh, the older people like I mentioned uh, and, and the struggle uh, of the, you know, sandwich class and sometimes going down to a neighborhood which are more challenging and really understand. But on the other hand, we also see the liveliness that usually in the lab or in the studio that we don't really see, we can't imagine. But, you know, but, but going down to the ground and see, for example, how the kids have a free play uh, in in a open field rather than in a, a you know a playground that's purposely purposefully designed for them. That really changed our perspective of how a play environment could be. Or for example, when we see uh, the seniors, uh, you know, finding all kinds of corners and spaces in the city and, uh, you know, appropriate them, that really brings us a new kind of uh, delight and, and inspiration inspiration for our own design practice as well. So, yeah, there's so much. Uh, one incident was uh, we were surveying Queenstown before uh, the resident move out, it was very touching because uh, a lot of residents shared with us a lot of their history, I mean, their, their personal history, their, their memories of the place. Um, we always see a lot of uncles drinking, you know, uh, around the hawker center. Uh, we are very scared to approach them, but once you get to kickstart the conversation, right, they even, you know, treat us a drink and treat us food and we spend the whole night and talk all the way until midnight and it was so so fun talking to all of them yeah yeah i recall like when i was doing your course <laughs> so I, w- I actually did a study as well like the people sitting down in staircases <laughs> so yes we, i remember yeah, that yeah and it was quite 
interesting for me as a student because we didn't really get the chance to you know like spend time outside of studio you know just to sit and observe people like what they do at the random places that we have found out like in the shopping center there's like a staircase that was not meant to be a sitting area but people are sitting there anyways so we just wonder why are they sitting there like what is any is there any intention or is it just is that the design of the staircase that is caught, uh, allowing these opportunities to happen and yeah it's all these little um, studies that we all do uh, outside of the practice like usually we don't I don't think nowadays we like, even when I'm working now right I don't really go and sit down and observe like <laughs> they'll be like I need to go back to office and <laughs> to do my, my other work in the afternoon so site analysis so in that sense do, yeah right? yeah it's, it is it is so different approach that we often forget right and yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, looking back, and I'm still ha- ha- having these like good memories of like spending time outside of studio, hmm. not worrying about my design for my studio project, but looking at people, <laughs> understanding the behaviors. So all this is uh, a a lesson that I take with me always. Thanks to you, and yeah. also, uh, it also reminded me of my my thesis, like you know how, hmm. uh, understanding people's behaviors and you know, their their intentions can actually steer the design forward and also to make sure that they can be a part of it. So just to do know just to do know my my thesis is basically like in short like uh that architecture that is communal. Basically people can create architecture to facilitate uh activism activities in Singapore. So uh Yeah, I remember you were using ladder as a Yeah, it was a study of basically how 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 architecture can be democratic in a sense and also to to be flexible and to follow us instead of we uh we fitting into architecture so yeah, sometimes yeah. architecture actually uh like kind of like and forces us you know to do some things and depending on how it is already been constructed yeah, yeah so you're absolutely right hmm. i i think the, the whole community design uh perspective uh, is really looking at architecture as a democratic tool right uh so really aligned with your your thesis as well uh uh, we, we talk about how to empower the residents, how to uh, get the, uh, you know, civic engagement, you know, up in the next level and things like that. So it's part of, parcel of the process or, or potential outcome that we see from the uh, community design as well. Because hmm. right now I am doing a HDB design. I mean, previously I was in uh, another company that was doing defense, but I just shifted hmm. to... <laughs> To Sabana. So recently, I'm now mm. I'm currently working on HDB design, and I think it's quite interesting. Uh, even though it's a bit, it may sound like repetitive, but actually, it's a small details that actually matters, like how you can create the spaces for for communal activities. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's well, quite... I, I think actually, uh, public housing is the most meaningful project. Mm. Uh, because you will really have a lot of impact to the people who are staying there and for a long time you know people uh, stay in the HDB uh, and, and public housing and they they really treasure the kind of space uh, they are able to grow up with their family so these are really meaningful work that uh, you are doing yeah for those international viewers I mean and listeners who are listening right HDB is, is like Singapore's public housing scheme uh, and as well it's a literally designed a whole estate with different residential blocks and then within the blocks uh, there's also a communal facilities like a precinct pavilion which is like a shelter mm. as well as like yeah. a communal unless they also create like daycare center nearby so it's the way of, there's a place of all these activities within the precinct itself that's very important to help facilitate all these community events and like making sure that make sure that family life and singapore life is 
quite uh, supported. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In and fact, I was working with HDB in the past few years as well, uh, looking at from the research point of view, uh, collecting all kinds of data and try mm-hmm. to find the trend, how do we redefine our population segment beyond the you know standard uh, age, gender, income, and so on. Mm-hmm. Looking at lifestyle trend, their quality of life, how that we can actually uh, you know, uh, involve all this uh, factor in a part of our community design process. And ultimately, even simulating the future you know, potential trend that we can actually anticipating, right? Mm. But of course, we, we can't anticipate everything. Uh, it's not a crystal ball, but it helps us in our planning uh, processes. So, uh, well, in future, maybe I can share more about that. But I think what we realized that, uh, yeah, data plays a very important role to really understand and uh, like also couple with uh, not just quantitative, but qualitative study to really observe, talk, to people to understand uh, from different perception. Uh, these are all very important processes uh, how a community de- designer and architect can do. I hope that actually you will have more chance and time to actually uh, perform some study, your current work, <laughs> <laughs> so you can incorporate all these studies in, into your HDB mm-hmm. design as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I try, <laughs> but I think it's not, sometimes <laughs> there's a, like current guidelines are there. I mean, in place. Yeah. I mean, it's by intention for sure. I mean, there's, there's, I think now there's an emphasis of like place situating all the daycare centers nearby within the estate itself, uh, childcare yeah. center, even sometimes when they put amenities, like they're also planning for like future ready facilities, uh, common facilities. So yeah. I think one of the examples they're trying to do is also to like there's a, a multi story car park. So they are already planning for firstly EVs, like electric vehicles to be there. Hmm. Secondly, they're also preparing for a conversion of the first story into a future hmm. communal space. So all hmm. these are already in the works now. And I think it's quite a good uh, way forward. Hmm. And I think one of the other things they're doing are like creating more landscape landscape places, like hmm. more open spaces. And I think hmm. they're also very accepting about all the different like uh, initi- initiatives to create all these communal pockets of, within the estate block itself. So mm. like roof gardens and like it's a lot of that nowadays. If you see in Pongo, Singapore, Singapore area, in Pongo, mm. uh, it's a lot of new developments that have uh mid mid level sky gardens, uh, yeah, no, they call it sky decks, yeah, sky decks. So that that yeah. is, and also they make sure that it's a lot of shorter linkways. So that so yeah. it's a lot of different things that sometimes we don't see, uh, but it's actually mm. very important in a way, like to support the lifestyles of people yeah. who are living yeah. there. Just to share, we we in Pungo, we were also working with one group of residents to uh, convert one of the white space, like a leftover, uh, you know, empty space, not really void there in the ground floor, but as the second and third level, mm. overlooking the environmental deck, the sky deck, and uh, to, to convert it into a co-working, uh, communal dining space, uh, yeah, hopefully it can be a successful model for future as well. Yeah, especially now with the work from home model. I yeah. think it is more uh speaking about trends, right? So what are the trends? Yeah. I think this is one of the trends that we I see at least, like mm. supporting the work from home lifestyle. Yeah. 
Because you, also, you want to work from home, but sometimes the home environment just doesn't allow you to work so efficiently. I can attest to that, yeah. So, a place near nearby your house where you can still work, but it's still anything urgent, you can still go up to your house. So, that, that kind of new kind of typology, I think, is something that we envision, that we prototype together with the wrestling in Pungo as well, mm. uh, at uh, Pungo Cascadia. Uh, if you have a chance, do visit them. Cool. Yeah, because I personally am not in favor of working from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's pros well, and cons, miss, definitely. Yeah. yeah, we miss the kind of physical interaction. Right? That's right, like yes. And all that. Yeah. 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 So I want to shift gears a bit. So, mm. I mean, we talked about community design as, as in practice, but I wanted mm. to touch about like education since you are educated yourself sure. uh, in SUTD. So mm. I think, I mean, SUTD has gone a long way, uh, like almost six years, seven years, I think. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, we started. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, I joined in two thousand eleven, and actually started two years before that. Before we taking in students, so actually more than longer than that. <laughs> yeah, so SUTD is uh, Singapore University of Technology and Design, and we also uh, we have architecture course to, together with engineers, uh, as well as uh, IT. So we're all in the same yep. school. So I think, I think there's also a recent uh. So there's like uh com- competing schools in Singapore, just for those who don't know, like NUS, and there's a lot of changes with their education as well. Uh, hmm. the structure and they're moving towards a multidisciplinary model, which is like same to yep. ours. Yeah. Just wanted to have your thoughts about like this uh shift, like this trend that's going towards like architects yep. have to learn more than just architecture, but also to understand engineering, hmm. like math and science a little bit more, hmm. and technology. Well. Uh, you're right. I am also quite glad that, in fact, SUTD was leading the way of education revolution or architecture revolution, architecture yeah. education revolution yeah. in the past. It rhymes. Right, so. Yeah, we were sort of envisioning how this kind of multidisciplinary, uh, computationally driven kind of approach, technology driven approach in design, uh, able to change the way we, uh, you know, uh, teach architecture, which, which we, I, I think we did pretty well, especially a capstone project program, uh, which I was involved in, uh, together with my uh, other colleague, uh, especially Professor Bigay Tunsil. Uh, so we, we are able to envision how different students from different disciplines, architecture, engineering, uh, you know, information science coming together to work with industry, to apply uh, all these design thinking techniques into solving real world issues. I think this is something we, that we piloted, uh, probably one of the first few in the world as well. So uh, really, really, uh, you know, uh, happy that others are following the way <laughs> that we imagine. Right. So since we have been leading this uh, kind of uh, education change, I think we are continuing. We are continuing to, uh, you know, e- evolve and and lead uh, the way to a new height as well. So, uh, I think it's really going beyond just multi or interdisciplinary, uh, but really looking at, uh. We are, we are, I think we are at the crossroads. Uh, These two mm. factors. One is a global factor we're looking at uh, data science, AI. We're going to change uh, a lot of our processes, our industry, right? Uh, the, the industry 4.0 and all that. Climate change. Uh, we see all these uh, really you know important issues that we, are, we need to address. And we also, in, in the world where humanity has never been divided so much before, mm. races. 
ideology, politics, and all that. So globally, I think there's uh, in a very, uh, I think a very precarious, unique situation that we are in. Uh, on the other hand, we have uh, the younger generation like yourself, uh, so much more informed, uh, so much aspiration uh, to do uh, not just a job, but beyond a job, like what you're doing now, <laughs> and really want to venture outside to look at all kinds of opportunity, not just within architecture, but beyond architecture. So we, we, are, we are balancing with all these different new kind of emerging things and ask ourselves, what can architecture education do? to support all this, right? So I think the two main things that I would maybe want to really uh, channel, one is that architecture should be much more value-driven mm. uh, in a way that is related to the actual uh, issues on the ground, uh, not just in the studio, in the lab, or not just, uh, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the client brief is, right? But really, uh, what we see, the issues on the ground, and uh, there's a way, there's a uh, way that maybe we can really combine practice and education into one, uh, somewhat like a practicum. Mm. Uh, you practice at the same time, you learn, you learn at the same time, you practice, right? How can we fuse education and practice into some kind of hybrid? I think that's one new model that we can actually go into a much more value-driven kind of model, uh, related model. Or another aspect that I think we should also look at is a more vision-driven kind of uh, model because if you are too much into the practical aspect, then in the end, you're just solving all the technical issue, which is not, I think, architecture or architect aspire to really, you know, achieve. It should be a more vision-driven, visionary kind of approach, uh, not just led by the industry or our clients, but really uh, be, be led by a, a common vision how we can solve large problem by doing something small at the start, right? And bring back some of this architectural criticism in the 20th century that somehow it was left forgotten. Uh, I think of, there's of COVID. a lot of value. <laughs> really, because, what? Because of COVID. <laughs> oh, maybe. Every, every, yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to add on to your point. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah. The, so, yeah, I really agree with what you're saying. Like this, the, the value-driven and vision-driven uh, approach yeah. Uh, I think one of the ways, like you mentioned, the practicum, I think it's being practiced mm. in, in UK now. Like they have part one, part one, part two, part three. Mm. And I think it's quite, it can be uh, one of the ways you can actually adopt in Singapore because the way they do it is like part one, then they go for studies and they go for uh, attachment, mm. part mm. two, part three. And it takes a longer period, even though. But it also allows them to actually, you know, to align their, their direction because they yeah. can be exposed to practical situations. Then to evaluate and to see, hey, I, I feel like I'm more passionate about this approach, like designing care homes or, or designing uh, housing estates. So it's about yeah. you know, so the approach that you're doing for design, like maybe more data-driven or, you know, more study-driven, like, you know, qualitative mm. methods. So mm. it, it is definitely one of the ways to approach this problem of like the gap between uh, education and practice, right? Like there's a yeah. lot of different ex- expectations and they're not being met. And I think there's a lot of de- <laughs> debate currently. I think ever since like uh, social media has taken over and right. I think recently I think last Thursday there was a there was a SIA talk about a town hall about these issues like ah uh, yes uh, yeah, I, I attended as well I, yeah I heard about it and, and, I, and I think there's a lot of uh, work to be done in terms of like in Singapore itself uh, specifically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of these things 
we need, we have to take action now because if not, uh, our young generations, this is partially why I'm, I'm doing this well. Like, why am I doing this project, like Art Law Book and even that podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Firstly, Art Law Book is to document all my learnings into a certain like a portal or like an online ebook uh, mm-hmm. format so that at least I can get the younger generations to understand what is being, what do they need to know and what, what can mm-hmm. be doing in practice, like technical stuff or even the whole scope of work. And it's actually mm-hmm. increasing and increasing a lot uh, as compared to last mm-hmm. time. So that is one one reason why like most of us are like thinking about whether we should stay on, <laughs> and oh. yeah, even it's it's the big problem I feel. Uh, because firstly, it's not it's not, not only about the remuneration. That's one mm. thing. But the other thing is actually, honestly, if you compare the different like I think mentioned in the talk right, like uh, mm. comparing the job scope of an architect like in two thousand versus now. There's way too many things to on our plate that mm. we have to to take care of, and it is not uh correlating to the commun- the the payment that the salary that mm. we have right and the time <laughs> that we put in. So that is a big issue, and I think it, mm. it is hopefully addressed. But I think I wanted to, to mm. focus on like the job scope and like the approach that we are doing as architects. Yeah. Mm. So that like you mentioned right, I think now in practice it's a little bit more skewed to like just a design brief given by the client. And then you mm. just take it and then you just do a little bit more value adding, you know, like, you know, you go down to mm. the site and then you maybe provide more information and mm. maybe just one, two days, one week. and mm. But you don't ask questions to, what, to the potential <laughs> residents. You, you, don't, you, just, <laughs> you just look at the things that are technical. Uh, you don't ask people who stay nearby, for example, if you're building a HDB estate and then you don't ask someone who's staying nearby mm. about right. possible, like any amenities that you need. And mm. it's also a uh, like top-down approach. So it's it's basically like what is given to you and then you just take it and then you just run with it. Mm. So that, 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 that's Especially, why. yeah, for HDB, I think everybody is eager to get hold of their HDB flat as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like it's not, I mean HDB is, I mean, what I mean is that, you know, like the way it's done, like the design process, like mm. in, in practice, it is actually even in school as well sometimes, like, given the, the, the design brief in studio right mm. and then sometimes mm. you don't question the the brief at all like yeah. you, that's, you just follow it and yeah. it is there's an opportunity there that's lost like you can actually yeah. uh, give your own opinions about the brief yeah. and you may not agree a bit at all like you can propose something different yeah so yeah. That, that is not being uh, I, it, it seems as like you know taking wasting time <laughs> in practice <laughs> well yeah, so, uh... Yeah, I, I really I feel mean, that the, the most valuable, you know, takeaway from the architecture education is about questioning. Yeah. Right. I think as architect, we were trained to question, and that's mm. the best value that we can actually give to our clients. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I really hope that you you can treasure it and continue to use that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do question once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> like, but I, I I know I know the scope of like what I can ask. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, sometimes yeah. it doesn't like no money, no time. Uh. Not feasible. <laughs> so your, your questions question bank becomes less and less, you know. Sure. Yeah. So sure, I mean sure. yeah, I still well, it's questions. the same. I think when we practice yeah. is the same. It has mm. so much constraint, right? And the yeah. timing and the budget and all that. But mm. uh well, that's why architect, you know, we, we have to really be innovative and creative to rise yeah. above all this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean yeah, I think I mean I still find the challenge enjoyable, like you know, solving mm. problems, you know. But the variables yeah. have become less and less, uh, more and more. So it means that the the solution space is actually less <laughs> because mm. there's so many regulations, there's so many uh, guidelines mm. coming up. 
And mm. I think for us, part of, part of the stress literally coming from like thinking about solution. <laughs> yeah, mm. because it's not only about the time that you spend to, to do mm. the work, but also thinking about the solution mm. that takes time. So all this time, is, it, it spills over. It, it doesn't limit to you know, 9 to 9. 9 to 9 is actually quite, 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 it's actually not even the ideal True. situation. Like, but most of the young architects do like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. kind of thing. So <laughs> that is... Wow. Uh, but I, I personally don't. I mean, my name is, I try my best to to <laughs> to get out of the office or like close a laptop by six pm. <laughs> so oh. most of, most of the time I do. Uh, so like I think that's because I'm 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 fortunate enough in a sense <laughs> to do mm. a bit less like design work. Mm. So I'm doing more of like the site work, like a uh, mm. project architect role. So that's more of I like see. the the submissions and then talking to clients about mm. site issues. Uh. so that is what I do in the day but mm. yeah i mean for those who are designing it takes more time of, off their plate you know to actually think about all these solutions definitely yeah yeah but uh well i i'm sure i think we are all working within all these <laughs> different constraints <laughs> yeah uh I, I think it's not so much about okay let's work less time and all that i think it's more about how can we be more focused during the time that we work and also integrate into power of our lives so um i don't really believe in work-life balance especially now mm. when you work from home right how do you have very <laughs> clear working and and uh you know your your own life sometimes it's all blurred now uh so i, I believe in work-life harmony mm. so you can manage to strike some some kind of harmony uh within the house and within the, uh, the work um uh, uh, you sometimes you spend a little bit more time working. Sometimes you spend a little bit more time with your family, and it all sort of harmonize it at the end. Uh, finding pockets of space. Uh, for each of the, you know, people that you are serving, yeah, that that's that's good enough. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> especially like, with the uh, new baby that, that <laughs> I have now, I was really really struggling to find time in between the work. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's more about like work life integration, like how many that you say, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. So, I mean, even though, yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to take a mental break, but it, it is yeah. flexible in a sense that you can actually plan the time well and you can yeah. really, like, shift certain work mm. hours later or, you know, mm. in between. So, actually, I, I see that work from home and this kind of flexi hours are really a good opportunity for us to rethink working and, uh, you know, uh, living life. Yeah. Mm. Uh, ultimately, it's how we live life to the fullest. Yeah. I think the other way to improve, like, I mean, opportunity that we have to actually improve the way we practice is like mm. the knowledge sharing. Mm. So I think yeah. that is that is very critical because we do have, we do studies, right? And then we don't, <laughs> we don't share with other people, other architects. So for, for example, like, yeah. uh, and then that, that is why one of the major ways we can actually work together as a fraternity, you know, to actually uh, like move forward as one, knowing that mm. there's a shared database of like lessons learned or like, uh, mm technical data that can share like regulations mm. so that is one i think i think hopefully SIA is trying to do i think they're doing mm. that uh yep. yeah other than te- technology is also one one way to improve it because the workflows that we have are quite dated i would say and mm. so a lot of things can be improved i feel that that's why i'm I, i'm personally i'm torn between two like directions because one one way oh. i feel that I, I can actually uh i mean my, my priority now is to become a architect like licensed architect mm-hmm. but after that what do i do you know i, I feel like mm-hmm. i'm called to do like me different, different directions i feel that mm-hmm. i'm 
maybe caught towards you know doing like like documentation of like the work I'm doing like sharing knowledge mm-hmm. like talking to you talk, talking to conversations mm. uh the other way is to integrate it to my work yeah then no that's very important as well I, mm. I mean then you are actually serving uh the fraternity yeah, yeah. The, it's, the it's more like in, it's indirect colleagues may not be like a site architect yeah. like doing the actual work but yeah. more like supporting the fraternity in a different way yeah yeah i feel yeah. that that, yeah. that so could be one maybe well. maybe i can share that i'm also currently involved uh in this uh, whole setup of a new organization international organization called the design for the common good uh mm. dcg for short um it's made up of uh academic practitioners from around the world, uh, out of five uh, uh, regional or international network, uh, uh, including Pacific Rim Community Design Network that I'm part of, uh, Curry Stone Foundation, um, Life Projects Network, um, uh, Seed from the US, and Design Build a Change from Europe. So uh, you can see all these different uh, organizations, they are architects themselves but at the same time it's all about knowledge sharing like what you say about a common vision how we can we deliver uh, and transform community through all this knowledge and experience and share across the world uh, so uh, I'm, I'm really fortunate to be involved in this conversation with our colleagues across uh, you know uh, you know different continents and uh, it's already been set up so we are actually uh, hosting our first uh, exhibition in the US, uh, Denver, early next year, January, uh, that compiling uh, best practices uh, across the world uh, to show how architecture can really make an impact for the common good of humanity. Mm. Uh, hopefully that, that would be a start. I will really invite all of you to actually uh, take, take a look at this. Uh, locally, among some of us who are practicing uh, participatory design, community design, we, we also have been, I mean, we are all friends and we have been like also uh, often meet up and uh, have thought that perhaps we should have some kind of alliance among us uh, so, so that we can actually support each other and also grow the, uh, the sector. Uh, I must share, share that this... Um, community design is uh is still at its infancy at least in singapore mm. uh it's not very well known and established in a way that uh you know when we are looking for funding and all that most of the time uh the agency say yeah we have the funding but we can only we only support the contractor uh and the des- and th- there's no budget for design uh, or community design that was, to me is a little bit strange because that is probably the most important part. <laughs> I mean, it's designing for the community and then there's no community design. So it's like... Uh... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the, the budget is there, but just that there's no budget line item that we can they can actually support community design, but mm. they can support the contractor to build anything. Mm. So that is the part that I think there's a challenge uh, in terms of the... Uh, you know, in terms of like a systemic kind of challenge that we, we have to go through. Uh, we are in conversation now uh, with various parties and among ourselves to see how we can actually first establish uh, community design as a profession 
just like landscape architect or urban mm. designer, urban planner, and, and not as volunteer because a lot of time we were approached by, you know, different private or public sector. Hey, this is for the uh, society. You should do it for free. <laughs> yeah, it's basically how to pitch how to pitch the your job scope like at least yeah. a framework, and then you solidify that that is this yes. is a profession, you know, and yes. then yeah, it's yes. I mean this is also what we need to do as architects, right? You need to yeah look at our job scope again, see what do architects really do and what we should yeah. do, and yeah. that is yeah like yeah. the challenge yeah. as yeah, well. We are, we are all providing a, a value, you know, to mm. the uh to. Uh, to the users so yeah. uh, and we, we have a whole team to really work on all these different projects so I, I think all this has to be first recognized and established um, and then we can then talk about you know expanding uh, mm. and to see how we can actually have the you know citizen and residents to be involved in the whole community design process because that is also very important as a part mm. of the participatory approach right yeah yes correct yeah, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but I think like like as time passes very fast, <laughs> I just want to do you know like uh end off with like maybe mm. just a last question uh like mm. you, so like what is the 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 main opportunity that mm. you'll be focusing on like, mm. this this year itself? Like, what is the thing number okay. one thing the priority you're gonna try to do? Okay, uh well um. We just completed the HDB research project and a couple of other uh, small design projects. So, uh, our moving on, uh, I'll focus both the design practice as well as the lab. Uh, my my lab is called Social Urban Research Group. Mm. Uh, we are trying to consolidating uh all, all these different uh, approaches and tools and and new direction that we are formulating couple of new projects coming in actually focusing more on physical health and mental health as you know mental wellness is one of the big issues nowadays at both, both at locally and also at the global level so uh, we are looking at how uh, urban design community design can play a part uh, in improving the health of the individual uh, as well as those who have special needs like uh, people living with dementia uh, dementia is also one of the main like the topic which is part of the aging study that I've done. Uh, one in ten above sixties are actually facing the possibility of having dementia, which is going to be very serious, I think, in the next one two decades or so. So our built environment definitely is not cater <laughs> to to uh, cope with all these different kind of needs. So how can we balance all the different diverse needs for uh, mental health as well as physical health? Uh, I think we have we are still having an ongoing fight with pandemic, but at the same time, we are also fighting diabetes. Uh, you know, fighting with sugar drinks and <laughs> so how can we rethink our lifestyle in our big environment, which is actually not very sustainable in terms of our individual health as well. Uh, mm. so so I think there's a lot of uh, potential that we are looking into, uh, working very closely with the community because every community is different. How can we have targeted solution for different demography, uh, different places, and make it much more ground up as well so that it's not a top-down solution. Hey, you must do this and then you achieve 2 kg loss by the next two months. That's not how we do that. <laughs> I think we really need to understand everybody has different lifestyle and really you know, support them through their incremental change 
so that's really beyond architecture. So I also hope that this can fuse in into our education uh, to have uh, a different dimension of health and wellness uh, uh, in, in our architecture course, which I'm proposing. Um, and also taking care of our student well-being as well. I think students nowadays are having much more stress. Uh, so we also want to see how we can support our students in balancing all these different demanding uh, you know, job scope and, and, and our young architects as well. Mm-hmm. So one opportunity I would like to share is that we are working with various agencies, uh, partnering with various arch- uh, this uh, architecture firm or private firm. Uh, for example, with Capital Land, we have uh, actually designed and built a kindergarten uh, in Vietnam right before COVID uh, mm-hmm. with our students. So I think that's really... A tremendous good opportunity. We are now working with CDL uh, and also various architecture firms uh, to uh, design a children's library, uh, working with SAA architects uh, to, to reimagine uh, a town near to SUTD, CIME working with the grassroots to reimagine, uh, you know, CIME is such a beautiful place and how can we make it even more uh, supportive for mental wellness, um, people with dementia, Yochu Kang working with CLC, uh, working with HDB on our, uh, you know, reimagine uh, uh, our uh, heartland kind of ROH program, public engagement. There's so many uh, engagement uh, and also uh, work that we are uh, involved in that uh, actually we invite anyone, everyone to come and join us as, uh, even if it is just like one hour, two hours, you know, out of your spare time uh, talking to the residents, talking to people with special needs. I, I hope that that will be also very beneficial uh, for you, uh, you know, as for your uh, profession as well. Sounds very exciting. And I think I'll be definitely checking in on you, like, progress <laughs> in your projects. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. For those who want to follow you or like any like social media accounts they want to, to plug in now <laughs> or like anything. Oh, uh... Well, I think uh, we can I mean, connect you can share with me the links later, but yeah, just, yeah. just mention the, the, the biggest one. Yeah, I think we can, uh, you can check out uh, my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, so I think just type uh, my full name, uh, Chong Keng Hua, you should be able to find me. Mm. All right. So thank you so much, King Hua, for this insightful conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Gabriel, for inviting me. It's such a good opportunity to share. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. Nice chat with you. Take care. Bye. And that's it for the Aklo Book Chats. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider to subscribe and give a like and review. If you would like to jump in in a call with me, email me, Gabriel, at hello at Have a great day.